Welcome, you're at OTR, Over the Rainbow, Achieving Mental Health for Real. This show is about real people battling real mental issues and experts with tips to help in the battle. If you want to know more, please check out the trailer. Your host is Bob Adelman and his notes about today's episode follows. Today I'm going to talk about what I called the different layers of pain suffered with addiction, anxiety slash depression and any mental issue. I explain that we should be aware of what layer you are on and what you can use to get through the layers of pain and come out the other side. It's my own definition of the layers that people go through to achieve mental health for real so come with me and explore these layers so you can begin to heal from any mental issue. So, here's Bob. Hello and welcome to another episode of OGR Over the Rainbow Achieving Mental Health for Real. My name is Bob Adelman and I'll be your host today. Today we're going to have a solo show, no interview, Uh, but it's going to be very interesting. Uh, I'm going to talk about different layers of pain. But before we get into that, I'd like to talk about a subject I think is important. Truth, Um, not telling a lie. Uh, I feel that there's way too many stories floating around politically and otherwise that, hmm, you know, stretch the truth. Uh, I was watching late last night a commercial for Omega XL. A magic potion out will take all your pain away. People are saying, oh, it worked. It helped my arthritis. It helped. Do people really believe it? They must because they must be selling it. I mean, if really... There was a product that took pain away that much. They wouldn't have to sell it. Believe me. It would be going off the shelves. So, I mean, it's a minor thing, but it's representative of how hard it is to get the, get the truth these days. Um, life's very complicated, and I think people really stretch the truth of your Facebook truth. Um, Hi, we're having a great time. Um, We're going to have a divorce. I cheated on my husband. But we look happy. So that's what's important today, to look happy, not to be happy. When I go into the different layers of pain, I'm looking for that real goal of of achieving not a state of bliss, because that's not going to happen, but just something where you're somewhat content with your situation or with yourself. And I think if we do get through a recovery, a complete recovery, I think that's What's waiting? I mean, I used to be extremely unhappy, and now I'm just not happy as much as I want to be. So I'm going to go along with you. Um, I'm just getting started. Uh, I hope you guys are ready for some more good information and and timely uh, interviews, because that's what's coming up next because I think the information on this episode will be very good.
and I promise to tell the truth. Lying is probably one of the worst things you can do. You lie to yourself. Um, so it's hard to look at the, the truth because it gets all bent out of shape and no one knows what the truth is. They even are saying now that nice people are really selfish because they just don't want to have conflicts and they want to, and they don't want the other person to feel bad because they feel bad. I think that's totally ridiculous. I think nice people are nice people because that's the way they were either raised or that was in their gene pool. But I think lying is something that really is damaging to the soul. And it's hard to, to be the truth. It's hard to stand up for what is correct. And I know I've compromised many a times, and I also compromised myself by telling the truth because I felt that was the right thing to do. It's impossible to be telling yourself lies and still try to work the program. But what's so bad about lying to yourself? Well, this leads me to the main point I have today. I believe that people go through layers of pain before they get down to the root cause of their pain. Uh, some have more layers than others. So if you think of an onion and how you peel off layers of an onion, that's, I think, how we're going to get better by realizing these layers and, and peeling them off one at a time. The first layer that not everyone has, but most do, I call the addiction layer. This is when you're addicted to either a chemical or a way of thinking. Um, the most obvious is, of course, alcoholism. Drug addiction is, an, is another big one. Um, gambleholics, rageaholics, ones that are obvious. But there are a lot of others, some that are less obvious. Um, in my case, I was an adrenaline junkie. I would rip up my adrenaline during the week, and that's how I would get my work done in the most efficient way. And the problem with that is that when I hit the weekend, I would crash. All that adrenaline would be gone, and I would really feel a lot of depression. By Sunday morning, I remember waking up and just crying for no reason. So that first layer is the toughest. Um, if you can get over addiction, I think there is a second layer. And the second layer would, I guess, be called a mild addiction. But it's a cover-up to your real core pain. For example, the person who is a tough guy. He suppresses his feelings. 
I think people do that a lot, and eventually those feelings come out, and a lot of times they come out in a bad way. So covering up your pain will not allow you to heal. You need to realize that you're covering up and you have to get down to your core pain, which would be the final major layer of pain. Those are the three main layers. There may be smaller layers within them, but I think we need to attack depression, anxiety, and all the other problems with considering the layers that you go through. So let's talk about the first layer, which is addiction. A lot of people are caught up on this layer, and they find it very hard to even take that first step, which is to try to get off of their addiction. And some people just stay in that until they die. I had a good friend from work. He couldn't get past it. He was a big drinker, and one night he just, I think, purposely drank too much. I had a friend who also drank. She was about five foot tall, and I don't know, I'm going to say 150. She was not overweight. And she drank because she didn't want to do the hardest thing, which is to heal to recover, to go into a recovery program. She went to a couple meetings, and then she went back to drinking, and she would drink as much as I used to drink, and I'm six foot seven, 280 pounds at the time. So that's one thing you can do with that top layer is just kill yourself. Maybe on purpose, maybe not on purpose. Drugs especially, overdosing. That top layer is a tough one. But then, once we do have that addiction under control, we enter into what I call the cover-up layer. It's a layer on top of the real pain. And this can be anything. It can The worst form of it that I've seen is cutting. We had that girl Amy on, and she cut her legs really, really bad. And I said that I understand why she did it. I think that was upsetting to some people. I apologize. I understand it, but I don't condone it. I think uh, the people in England where she lived just didn't treat her. She needed something like what I had. I had to take a Xanax to calm myself down. Not really to calm myself, but to get over that crippling anxiety. I mean, it just takes over, and and it's painful, and oh my God, just painful. So the Xanax helped me sleep, and helped me get through that period. You're not supposed to keep it on Xanax, I then got, you know, an SSRI. Eventually, I picked up a medicine that came out of nowhere. It's called Premfixel, and it was for restless leg syndrome. But my doctor said it was experimental for people with apathy. 
Well, sure enough, uh, I was on that medicine for two weeks, and I was dying. My head was killing me. I had these big migraines, and I just said to myself, let me get past these side effects and see what happens. Well, sure enough, I got past the side effects. And boy, did it lift my appetite. I went from sleeping all day on the weekends to working on my computer, which I found a new love for, because I thought I didn't like it anymore, because at work I had to use it. But when I had to use it at home, I loved it. I still am using it a lot. I do repair work and, and things like that, and of course I do the editing for this program. But this second layer is very tricky. Um, it could represent trauma, always creating trauma in your life, always creating disasters in your life, getting high on power and money. I mean, then the adrenaline flows and... That's what a lot of people do when they search for, you know, the the pie in the sky, the rainbow over the rainbow. But it's a false god, and it it will not make you happy. I'm telling you right now, it will not make you happy. Now, you can say, well, what about starving? Yeah, starving's bad. And so I see uh, money. The same way I see food. If you don't have it, it's hell. If you have enough, it's fine. But if you have too much, it kills you. You know, with diabetes and such. Heart attack. So, for the people that just search for money and try to accumulate as much as they can, well, that's good. But don't throw your life away for it. Don't throw your family away. Don't throw the good things away. I'm tired of people not knowing what the good things are. The good things are family. Now, you may hate your family. You may ghost your family. But family is family. And, you know, there can be no closer bond. No matter how much you hate somebody in your family. Back in your mind, most people love them. If they hung hung themselves, they would be they would be des- devastated. Why wasn't I nicer to him? So don't forget that when you talk to your brother, or sister, or your mother and father, that that's the core. That's the core of happiness. I have a family, it's my cat, and me, and that's fine for me right now because I have, with old age uh, and that short-term memory problem added to my ADHD, and it pretty much raised my ADHD to unbearable level for most people. They can't be around me, I, I either rage or... You know, I do stupid things, and they they get very frustrated. Why can't you do that right? What's wrong with you? So I figured it's better off to stay away. I'm not unhappy with myself. I've been with myself all my life. Because nobody was like me. Nobody. And now I read about the people in the groups that I've joined that 
they say the exact same thing I said, and, and I feel so much better now. I mean, when I listen, I know you guys all know I listen to a rapper. Oh, my God, why did you do that? Oh, my God. I listen to his words, and in his words are the story of my depression, basically. He has everything I have, almost. And he validated me. And then I started looking at Facebook and the groups and ADHD. And I got to a point where I said, you know what? ADHD is a big problem. It's, it's a bigger problem than I thought it was. Because what it does is it makes me shy. It makes me concerned about talking even on this microphone. Oh, there's so many mistakes I make and I mispronounce words and I, I, I say stupid things and I have to edit everything out. I mean, I, I'm an edit-crazed uh, podcaster because I'll say that's the stupidest things. That's just my mind. It can't think like that. It can't. Well, basically, it can't relax because it always knows that around the corner there could be something I say stupid. And my family used to cut me off. I would say, well, how about that? And that would be it. Somebody else would start talking. That all is the second layer. And we all run around the world living in the second layer. And that makes us crazy. We all have uh, a sentence for death. And you almost have to be crazy because otherwise you'll be like my mother who worried like a... I mean, Botulism, botulism, botulism. Oh, that dented can. Oh, we can't have... We couldn't eat a cranberry uh, or cranberries for so many Thanksgivings, probably 10, 15, before she brought it back because it had a botulism scare. I cook chicken now. I don't really like to cook. You know why I don't like to cook? Like, oh, is it cooked, is it cooked enough? Does it have botulism? And we all live in the layers. I mean, people have maybe just about one, maybe two, three layers of protection. The one that I think is the most popular one is the I'll do what everybody else does. And I'll never admit I'm wrong. And I'll be strong. I'll be a tough guy. The tough guy layer. Uh, talk to people who lived in a ghetto. And they have PTSD nightmares. So they have to be tough. So right away they can't get out of that layer. Everything in your life revolves around that layer, whether it's, you know, making money, um, robbing banks, all, all these things are people living in a layer. And it doesn't allow for individuality. It doesn't allow for people 
to be who they are. I know I could never be who I was. I, I, I wanted so much to be, you know, the, like everyone else. They have a couple new terms that I've heard. Um, one of them is called neurodiverse, and that's the category I fit in. ADHD, autistic, or other impairments of the brain uh, fall into that neurodiverse category. Everybody else is called neurotypical. But I wanted so much to be neurotypical. Oh, my God. I played baseball in the Little League, and I basically never swung. I was afraid. I didn't know what was going on. I was clueless. I couldn't keep up with things. People would tell me stuff, and I'd be like, nah, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. So they shoved me in the outfield. They put me in center field, at least. I mean, I had a great glove, but I'd get up to base with the lights on and the fans there and and all these adults expecting me to do something. And I came up one time with the bases loaded, 3-2 count. The ball was right over. He just lobbed it over. Because the coach had come out and told him to do it. And instead of trying to, instead of trying to take a swing, I just let the pitch go, and it was a strike, and they won. And I'll always remember that because I was so scared of everything. It's terrible to be scared, but anxiety does that too. Or the other way around, maybe. But I think achieving mental health for real means getting rid of that layer. Well, I don't know about anybody else, but I'm scared to death of my bad pain. I'm scared to death of it. I am so fucking scared of it. I mean, fear. Fear is that lower level. That's what's in the way. That's why we're not happy. Because we have that fear on the lowest layer. And we don't want to go there anymore. We were there, we don't like it. I had recorded an episode with a woman named Anne Hintz, H-I-N-C-E. Uh, I'll put a, a link to her website on the description. But what she is into is EFT, Emotional Freedom Technique. And what that is is you have meridians um, on parts of your body, is the theory. And that if you sit and feel that last layer of a real core pain, you could get rid of it by letting it pass through you. And when you feel it, try to locate it in your body. And... By tapping on the meridians through different points of the body, she explains this. Uh, by tapping on them and saying something like, although I have this fear, 
I, I will be okay. Something like that. And if you work at it long enough, the fear dissipates. Because her theory is that the fear wants to leave your body, but you're keeping it there with all these layers. Now, I haven't aired this episode because I'm afraid that people try it and end up what? And end up the same way I did. I got stuck in my core layer. All the demons came out and it was really not pleasant and I couldn't get uh, past that. Now, that could be I wasn't doing it exactly correct or it could be that some people just can't some people just can't get rid of their pain that way. It may require medicine. But the important part is if you stay on that level and if you deal with your fear, this is going to help you a lot. Um, but I don't want people who are not stable, who have a chance of, you know, going to a hospital if, if they try this, I don't want them to try this unless you're ready. And you'll know when you're ready. But this is the one mechanism I've seen to get rid of that last layer. And once you do, I think you're well on your way to recovering totally and becoming a more happy person. Now, will you be ecstatic? No. Especially at first. But if you keep thinking positively and and use all the tools that we have, I think things would change for you. I really do. PTSD is probably the one thing that's the most effective with this EFT because I think some people just naturally have uh, something wrong and they just naturally are depressed. And I don't know how far EFT can go because, I mean, I, I tried it and I got stuck and I, it took me a week to get back to normal. I'm going to try it again, but it's, it's just, I don't know if I can beat it. I don't know if I can beat it without medicine. Medicine has helped me so much. I mean, I don't want to advocate taking medicine. What I want to say to you is that I wouldn't be here if we didn't have it. I would not be here if we didn't have it. I'm a wreck. I'm, I'm a wreck. No one should have to live with what I live with. And I don't know. I just don't know if I can get rid of that last layer. I'm going to try. I'm so much happier now. I mean, believe it or not, I am. And, but I'm not going to lie to you. I'll be sitting there, you know, watching TV, having a good time. Boom. Here comes the depression. Hello, depression. Let me make friends with you. Um, how are you? How you doing? 
yeah, yeah. I mean, you're hurting me, but oh, you can stay around and and then let it through you and let it out. That's what EFT is trying to do. Can you do it? Can can anybody do it? I, I don't know. I tell you one thing: if you do make it to the last layer, at least you're being honest with yourself. And I believe that everyone could make it through. You may need some medicine anyway, but I think the brain eventually would get better if you became, you know, healthier, ate good, ran, um, got into healthy sleeping habits. And I think that would put a dent in that last layer. But don't don't stay in the second layer. I mean, I don't know how to tell you to get out of the second layer. All I can say is that it's there. But why do these things happen to me? Why do I have so much trauma in my life? Why do I? And it's there. It's there for everybody to see. Trauma. Making emergencies, fighting fires, workaholics. They live in that layer because in that layer, they get adrenaline and other good chemicals into their brain. And then they get addicted like I was addicted to work. I had to get to a point where I was like a superstar. And then, then they wouldn't give me that rush that I needed. When I, right before meetings, I would be so nervous. Right before shows. You know, I, maybe a day before I do a show, that's all I'm thinking about in my head. Oh my God, I do a show, I don't know. I might forget words, I might screw it up. The guy will be all embarrassed. The guy, I'll, I'll be embarrassed. The show will suck. And I'll be honest with you, I, I had some sucky shows. Most of them are good, but some suck. But that's the way it is. I think nobody can bat a thousand. I think I can bat maybe 700. But there are going to be bombs every once in a while. So, yeah, the other reason that I think a lot of people wind up hiding from their pain is because it was caused by how your parents raised you. My father was a raging, bipolar, undiagnosed, and he would rage like it was we were so scared because he sounded crazy and we were afraid. Why? Why is our father the one that's protecting us? Why is he sounding like a, like a psycho? And my mother, of course, would be afraid. Oh, we can't have cranberries this Thanksgiving because they found botulism. Or I can't have fish. We never had fish. Because it has too much mercury. I think she's right, it does, but who cares? I want to have some fish. I can't eat fish now. 
My mother was a saint. God, she a saint. They don't make them like that anymore. They just don't. She was a great mother, and I miss her dearly. Okay, so... I think we should all hurry up and get better, because time slips by quickly, especially at my age. It's 64, Jesus. It's like, I call it day-night, day-night, day-night. Because it goes so fucking fast. For you people in your 30s, you think, oh, I did the rest of my life. You wait. You may wind up with some kind of stenosis, God forbid. That's another motivation to keep yourself in shape. My brothers did, and they don't have it as much. I tried to. I took karate. I was doing uh, kicking glasses, and I guess I somehow injured it, probably from working on a computer all day. And put I didn't have good vision, so I put my eyes close to the screen. I was like, Always constantly had the neck in the wrong position, wrong posture. So then I had to fuse three vertebrae. And eventually it got down into my legs and I can't really walk too well. And, you know, if it's on a hill, I need, I need, um, I need a walker and my bottom of my legs and my feet are always numb, and then they cramp. They cramp in my feet. That's, that hurts. But I'm not telling you that because I want to complain. I just warning people that life is precious. Don't fuck it up. And it's not forever. It, it, you get to 64, and you're like, what happened? What happened? You should live life for the moment. We all could be dead in, in 10 seconds. Somebody can nuke us. So we have to take every minute as precious. And because of that, we have to heal ourselves. We have to understand that there's basically three layers, but there's more. You know, you could be addicted, then you could be semi-addicted, and then you can have a lot of trauma, then you can have a lot less trauma, but still you have trauma. So there's different layers, and once you get down to the, where the pain lives, I don't have an answer for you. We'll have to go and get one. I don't know, I mean, this EFT is one answer, but I feel that it may just help PTSD Patients, I don't know if it'll help people who are born with ADHD. And... But I'm going to try it anyway. Well, I don't have nothing to lose. I don't care if I'm... I don't care if the demon does And I call them demons because I'm being nice. They're, they're beasts. Um, they just whisper to you. You can't do that. You can't do that. Better people than you can't do that. How do you think you're going to do it? You can't get up in front of that stage and talk to an audience. I get bombarded with these messages. And they're really not messages. They're feelings. 
I'm not going to break into a show tune. It's feelings that you get that you're incompetent, that you're no good. And it's so prevalent with ADHD because we aren't. We suck at neurotypical. But we have to be accepted in the community. There's a way that we learn that that has to be taught in school. There has to be, you know, separate classes as much as that is a bad stigma in itself. There has to be a class that teaches you how to live in a, in a neurotypical world. One thing I know, a lot of neurotypical people who are insecure and have that hard shell layer and they have the talent to mock you, they seek you out like a freaking missile that's on all the, you know, on, I don't know what the fuck they call it. But one that goes wherever you tell it to go, and they seek you out. And then guess what? You seek them out. Because I'll tell you a little secret. Here's what the secret is. You're so afraid they'll find out what you are that you go ahead and do it and get it out of the way. You go ahead and do stupid things. So you can get into that back and forth of you're stupid, huh? You can't do this, huh? Here's a joke, here's this, here's that. They bug you and, and they torture you. I was tortured at work by many people because I was goofy and I was weird. I thought out of the box on everything. And people would be like, what? You know, I would just say the craziest thing. I'd be like, what? The fuck are you talking about? We're not even talking about that. Yeah, off. <laughs> My friends I had as, you know, a teenager and, and before that, they, they always mocked me out. I have 50 years of being mocked out. I'm better than a Ginsu knife at 50 years of warranty, and it's over. But mine isn't over. I have 50 years and counting of being mocked out. In grammar school, I got away with it. Because in grammar school, there wasn't a lot of kids, and I was a lot tougher, and I knew that everybody from the first grade up, and... You know, we were like king of the hill. And I was respected, even though I was a class clown. Because that was who I was. I was a class clown. Ah, he's funny. Bob's funny. What do you mean funny? Funny looking? I was funny in fourth, fifth, and sixth. But then my parents took me to Alabama, and I was like, Phew. The whole fucking life came then from there. I had some good years with my ex-wife and, and the children. And I think I had one of the best childhoods that you could possibly have. I didn't have to do anything. My mother did everything. It was just a free ride, and I didn't feel guilty because I didn't know any different. 
Mom's going to pick that up. Mom's going to do that. I'm, I don't have to help her. Why would you help her? That doesn't make sense. She's the, uh, the cleanup robot. I don't know. I don't know how to get rid of the second layer because I still do the same things. I still get into trouble and I still think out of the box in front of people. So basically, I sheltered myself here and I'm waiting. I'm trying to get ADHD medicine, but the doctors, you know the doctors. Everybody knows the doctors. I don't understand the doctors. Yeah, I do. The doctors are afraid to give you certain medicine. Like here in South Carolina, down in Charleston Swamp, you ask them for, you know, ADHD medicine, they're like, what the fuck? You're on so many medicines now. What are you talking about? You got to get off all these medicines. You have to get off your medicine, Bob. Bob, are you crazy? Why are you on so many medicines? Bob, don't. I'm going to go back to New Jersey where, where I can get my ADHD. And then maybe get off some medicines. So I think it will help my depression. When I got it the first time, the side effects to it, Ritalin and things like that are very bad. And But I think I could get through them this time because I'm home. I want to try. Uh, I'll probably cut a lot of this out because I just went on and on again. I don't know if I could use any of it. But I think definitely our next step is to somehow break that second layer and feel our real pain as hard as that might be. And I do try, I try and I try, but but I'll be honest with you, it's, it's extremely difficult because people that are neurodiverse, they kind of tend to really act out everything. It's not fair on the other person. But I just want everyone to recognize that there is a player that we use to stay away from the demons. Because a lot of people don't know that. They're like, what? What are you talking about? And also, anyone worried about being crazy? <laughs> don't. Because the whole world is crazy. Those same people, I mean, can you be sane in a crazy world? People try. They make these borders, spiritual borders, and they're just, they live in it. But I don't think people are aware. We're not aware. That's the word, aware. You know, society is it's crazy. It's hard to be real. And... It's difficult for people when they're struggling to survive. Almost impossible. Like the road warrior. The new one is very good too. The old one was good, but the guy was just, you know, he was a warrior and he, he, he this was in survival mode every minute, every second. 
And we are too. That's what I meant want to make clear. We're all in a survival mode. We all use humor, which I think is a healthy way to get out of it, rather than pasting Facebook pictures of how happy we are. I always get one of everybody. It's like a weird, where's Waldo? Like, where's Grandpa? The whole family at Thanksgiving, they take a picture with the replacement husband, and I get left out. And that hurts me deeply, and it's part of what caused the rift between us. Because they want their holiday to be, you know, hallmark. They don't want to deal with this crazy old man. My brother said to me once, my older one, he said, Bob, you're just too nice. You got to learn to be a little bit tougher. And I didn't say anything, but that's true. I mean, it, it's kind of a horrible world, and good people have a hard time living in it. And now they're saying good people are not really good. They're just selfish. They don't want to feel the pain of other people. So they're nice. I don't believe that. But let's just stretch the truth some more. I don't know. And once you, I don't know what you do once you let go of Blair. Because I was trying to do that with the EFT. I let go and God, I was bombarded by it. You know, it, it, it's always the same thing. And then I dwell on it. That's the worst part. The feeling comes, and I dwell on it. Oh, my God, am I going to feel that way for the rest of my life? And that was the answer. You're always changing. So you really have to learn how to help ourselves. And that's my goal for the future is to learn with you all or just you listening I'm talking directly to you I think you said I'm, <laughs> I'm being like a preacher they do that all the time but talking directly to you just start realizing the truth that we do cover up a lot. And if you really want to get well, you have to get that layer off. you got to peel it off. You're going to cry when you peel it, but how else are you going to get dinner done? You don't peel the onion. That's just my recommendation. I don't know shit, you know. You, you put up the uh, warning... Uh, this show doesn't know shit. Don't listen to it. I'm just saying what I feel and what I think is the truth. And you can take it or leave it. But I think it's going to enable us to achieve mental health for real. There's a purpose beyond that name. And over the rainbow had a purpose as well. Because Dorothy always wanted to go home. First she wanted 
something over the rainbow. And when she got there, she wanted to go home. I think a lot of people with ADHD like going home. I know NF does because they feel safer. They don't have to put up with the difficult world that they live in. They don't have to navigate airports or even order something at lunch and get everything wrong. And they don't have to work and get everything wrong. And they don't have to be called stupid by their parents. Yeah, I guess I'm just going to close with that whole thing. I mean, I really think ADHD is a catalyst for anxiety, definitely. The OCD might have been there anyway, I don't know. But anxiety causes depression. Bingo, that's the whole thing. So I'm going to try very hard. The good news is I'm getting out of the swamp of Charleston. I saw a spider yesterday. No, two days ago. It was bigger than, like, those fake spiders, you say. It was huge. I tried to hit it and I ran away. But, uh, you know, I get water bugs, I get ants, I got the guy's coming supposedly today. I don't know when he's going to get here. But, um, you know, we just need to think about all these different things and think about ways that we might be able to help ourselves with counseling and medicine. Because I know medicine works. Is it the best thing to do? No. I don't want anyone to take medicine if they don't need it. But as I say a thousand times, if you need it, take it. It doesn't change. I mean, it, let's put it this way, it doesn't change you significantly. You'll have side effects. You'll have dry mouth. You'll have maybe a risk of getting that twitching disease. And there's risk to it. So I don't want anybody to take a risk for nothing. But if you're suffering, and the only reason you're not taking the medicine is because you're embarrassed. No, I don't accept that. I think people that drink should be embarrassed. I mean, occasional drink is fine. I'm no, like I said earlier, I'm no good at two shoes. But drinking excessively, and after a while you just get hooked. It's really not your fault at that point. But it is your fault not to get help. Go to a 12-step meeting. 12-step meetings are great. You don't have to have a God. You can have a higher power. It could be you, even. But you're going to give up your problems to a higher power. That's the heart of the 12-step meeting. And go to detox. Half the people in the uh, asylum that I was in a couple of times, they were detoxing. So think about doing that. But when you get sober, think about all the things I've been saying and how medicine could help. And that's what this show is, is going to be. 
a vehicle to use for help and information on mental health for real. Okay. I talked enough. I think you guys get it. We have a long way to go. But sometimes it's the journey that's important. I love you guys. Don't ever consider leaving this planet unless it's on a spaceship because it, it is just so hurtful for the people you leave behind. It's just hurtful. It's unimaginable pain for a parent to lose his child. You can be helped. You can be happy. Yes, you can. I swear to you. Not lying. I have happy moments. And I've gone through things I would never... Like my daughter ghosts me. I would have felt if I'd be in the hospital. But I'm stronger now. I'm stronger because I worked the 12 steps. Because I took medicine. Because I try to help myself every day. And especially this podcast helps me more than anybody probably. So if you're thinking of doing anything and you're all alone and whatever, I mean, you can find my phone number. It's Bob Adelman. If the worst comes worse, call me if you want. But I think you should call a counselor or somebody that knows what you're doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just calling it the way I see it. That's all. I'm just a bum from New Jersey. And then, you know, like I started to say before, I'm going to be moving back to New Jersey in August, so my scratchy voice will go away. So listen to all the episodes. Spread the word. Not just subscribe, but tell other people. And come out if you can. People understand now. It's not like the 50s or the 60s. People get it. Not a big deal. So come out, you feel better. Okay. Again, that's enough. Love you guys. Have a great, wonderful rest of your time until we meet again. Take care.